Have you ever been watching a bad movie and thought to yourself, wow, any half-drunk jackass could come up with a better pitch than this? Well, have I got a podcast recommendation for you. The Film Rescue Show is a podcast that does exactly that. They take a movie, break down what worked and what didn't, and then pitch a new, sometimes better version. And if you're interested but don't know which episode to start with, I've been on some of the best, such as Red Dawn, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Hellboy, Warcraft, Scott Pilgrim. You can find all these and The Film Rescue Show either by searching for The Film Rescue Show or Jaguar Shark on your favorite podcasting site. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is... I'm Lord Commander Auric, and this is Jackass! Oh wait, no. Wrong show. We, that would, I'm thinking back to our high school times, and we were not nearly as exciting as Jackass would be, but there were some things we could... Anyway, <laughs> moving I'm on. just saying, as we get into this episode, I'm going to do a, I'm just going to invite people to kick me in the balls with what I'm about to say, so this will make sense later on. All right. Well, for the record, we're both doing fine. We both just recorded something already that went about 50% over because we were having a good time talking and we didn't want to Enjoy end it. figuring out which one that is because they all go over when I've been drinking. That's fair. He has been drinking. I have not. I'm just in a all right mood. I'm in a better mood than when we started, which is always good. That's because I get to talk to my brother about bullshit topics and have a good time. So before we get into our actual topic, I'm going to list off the names of our illustrious legion those people who are part of our patreon and we get we have the privilege of saying their names as thanks for their gratitude their their i'm out of words right now these people are awesome and their names are pam galley marquee chris chipman river galley krug arthur crane kevin vay brand agnew john vinnels kit kenny seth decker donald lucy patrick anderson carson amell scott rubin derek takade and peter cook if you'd like to have your name added to the illustrious legion so that we say it at the beginning of every recording, then you can head on over to our Patreon, Patreon slash Geeks with Shields. You'll get on the list for a dollar a month. At $5 a month, we overcome Patreon's stupid, like, percentage take and actually make more stuff. So, but hey, we'll, you'll still get the name at whatever amount, we'll be grateful. So, anyway, on to the show. Today, we're talking about directors, because we do a lot of time talking about movies and whatnot, and basically the question that Ulrich put to me, that I don't really understand, I'm going to want him to elaborate, but I think I have an idea, is, do you have to like a director? Now, when I heard that, my thought was, is it important to care about the director when it comes to, like, a movie or something? But I think, now that I've heard Ulrich say something about it, it might be more like, are there certain directors that kind of have to be liked or respected or something? What, what are you talking about, Ulrich? Talking about this weird parasocial relationship we have it created with our directors. See, that's more the latter, and I only realized that you were probably talking about that after we started recording. Because again, in my mind, I was like, well, you don't have to like a director as a person, but you kind of have to like them if you like their movies, because that's kind of what translates mm. to you liking a movie. But I think you're talking about more like a, instead of like an artistic appreciation thing, you're talking more about like a person thing. There's a weird hand-in-glove relationship that really exists amongst film culture. And I say film culture in the grand thing of, if you have a favorite director, you probably belong to the film culture discourse. If you have more True. than one favorite film director, you will definitely belong to this. And if you have a favorite editor, you are king of this place. I don't have a favorite editor, 
but my favorite directors are Guy Ritchie and Edgar Wright. So Guillermo del Toro, and I'm blanking on his name right now. Edgar Wright's in there, though. I do love Edgar Wright. Cool. I don't love all his things he does, does, but well, but that's a fun one. Let's let's talk about that real quick. Okay. Guillermo del Toro, I love as a person and as a director. The dude is just a fun, quirky ball of energy. Edgar Wright, I don't know what his favorite movie is or anything about him. I like them, but they are both in my top five directors. Who is, you know what? Actually, fun thing. I don't know who Edgar Wright's primary editor is, but whoever that is, that's my favorite editor. And if it's him, it's him. Mm-hmm. Because literally one of the reasons why Edgar Wright is like one of is my top two, if not my favorite director, is simply because I feel like he uses the medium of filmmaking and editing in a way I don't see any other filmmaker do. Yeah. No, it's 100% his thing. Oh, I got to look up the name because I want to talk about him because I love his art, his editing style, and I love the director. But anyway, yeah, I have no idea if Edgar Wright how he is as a person. I would hope he he's cool. He seems to be a decent enough dude. I haven't heard any terrible stories. Yeah, I've heard similar Matthew things. Matthew Vaughn. I love Matthew Vaughn. I think Matthew Vaughn's editor might be in my top favorite ones. because the, uh, the name's familiar, this, but what movies? This is, is Kingsman. This is... I love Kingsman. Fuck Kick-Ass. This is... Love Kick-Ass. Stardust. This is... So Stardust. Okay, those are good movies. Sure. I'll buy it. Yeah. I, need, I, I like having three movies so I can pick out what the style is. It's funny. I was having a conversation with my girlfriend a while back, and she was making a comment about not really caring about directors because she feels like it It doesn't like translate to what she likes about a movie. And that alone, it like it broke my brain because I was like, no, I mean, what you like about a movie kind of kind of is entirely about again uh, not part of the film culture discussion yeah because she she was talking because she was talking about like i like i watch a movie for an actor it's like hey i understand that but i've seen actors i love be directed by people i don't like terrible directors and then there are so many actors that we thought were bad and like oh no you just had bad direction andrew garfield andrew garfield is a great actor who when given bad direction is (laughs) I'm going to say Hayden Christensen just because. Sure. And that and that goes into this whole thing. We love George Lucas. George Lucas, not a good director. Great idea, man. Not a good director. You know what? But we, we combine this love for sure. him as a person with, that means we love him as a director, right? Well, here's what I'll say. Sidebar, if you're ever curious to like about George Lucas, besides all the regular people you might hear talk about it, just look up Sam Witwer talking about him. Like, Sam Witwer's this guy who is the voice of Starkiller, also the facial stuff of Starkiller. He also voiced Darth Maul in the Clone Wars series. He's he's basically the biggest Star Wars fan ever, but he has this interesting way of viewing George Lucas that basically breaks down to the fact that regardless of your thoughts on him as a director, or he is an insanely idiosyncratic auteur who was basically operating against the system when he was when he did his first two movies, or actually his first two Star Wars movies, American Graffiti yes. is a different story. But yes. so like I have actually a lot of respect for George Lucas. The guy is one He's of the He's a most... fascinating dude. Yeah. Him and, and Francis Ford Coppola is a fun inverse of Ooh, what Francis could Ford have Coppola. Been. Different question. But I just want to quickly yes. get out there that I think George Lucas is one of the most important and talented creatives Hollywood has ever seen. But yes, I agree with Ulrich that I think his directorial skills are probably his weak link. I don't know if I'd go far so far to say he's a bad director, because I do think he's capable of very good direction decisions. He's better than Michael Bay. 
but I think that his strengths lie primarily in other areas, particularly yes. he's a visionary and a creative. And I would oh, love he's to he's an idea man that him. can fucking spin gold, but you need a refinery. Yeah. Otherwise you get the slag. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, keep going. Cause I think we're starting to get to what you're really trying to say though. So let's let, let's line myself up for nut kicking. The two directors that embody this to me perfectly are Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino. Okay. And real and quick, one of before, those I will before, argue is a huge piece of shit. Before we get into the details here, I want to put my thing out real quick. I love most of Quentin Tarantino's work. I do not like him as a person at all. I have gone back and forth on that because he's very intelligent and he's a compelling speaker. I think he is largely stuck up his own ass. I think that's also true of Christopher Nolan. Oh, 100% for both of them. Yeah. One of them almost killed Uma Thurman and didn't think it was a big deal. Yes. Yes. Agreed. One of them has abused, both of them have abused their actors and neither think it's a big deal. Yes. I very much agree. So I just want to say before we got into it that like, uh, since Ulrich's going to make his opinion, I think very clear in a second, I, I love most of Quintero Tino's work. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is probably one of my favorite films uh, ever. You got to talk about that. I'm not going into that one because that one's just a viper's nest. Yeah, I, I know. As a film, though, I adore it. Oh, it's a uh, great film. But if we're talking editorial filmmaking. Yeah. I'm sorry. There is no question. There's some serious editorial opinions in there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's it's revisionist history, but anyway. Oh, it's 100. Again, all of this stuff is revisionist history, but no, I'm not talking about Bruce Lee because I'm not a Bruce Lee expert. Oh, you know, it's funny because that whole... Okay, I think that <laughs> scene's great. I think the whole point of that scene... I'll, I'll put my neck on the chopping block here. The whole point of that scene is that you as the audience know that Bruce Lee is the biggest badass who fucking ever lived, so it's a way to build up the, the Brad Pitt character by saying, like, hey, if you can fight Bruce Lee, then you, the audience, now know he's awesome. Yeah. But Yes, but anyway. our white hero that represents old Hollywood is better than... No, no, I said I'm not doing it. Yeah. Anyway, there is a certain cult of personality yes, around both gotten, of them. I don't think it's gotten worse. It's always been there. Alfred Hitchcock, again, the prime example. I will say in my personal experience, piece of shit. and Ulrich's personal experience is a little different than mine. He spends more time online than I do. Unfortunately. I, I, I think the Nolan fans are more insufferable. Now, a, a Tarantino fan I feel like is harder to argue because the things that you're arguing about tend to more often lapse into moral questions, which they do not want to argue, but... Well, what do you mean he can't drop the N-word 50 times every movie and he's a white guy? That's his right, you know? He's got friends. Samuel L. Jackson told him it was okay. Yeah, so that's why I would I would rather not argue a Tarantino person because I don't really feel like getting into those conversations. But because those conversations at least feel like they're about real things, I find them to be less insufferable than Nolan fanboys. And I want to also be clear, I love The Prestige. And I love Inception. Prestige is his best movie. I don't know about that, but I, I love I it. I will argue. We're ne- Okay, let's put it on the table. We are not doing a Nolan director smackdown. No. Because I refuse to suffer through his worst movies. I'm not going to watch Tenet, and I'm probably I'm not watching watch. Tenet. not watching that fucking Matthew McConaughey space movie. Interstellar. Yeah, not doing yeah. it. Not I, doing it. it. They're too long. They're too up their own ass. I'm not watching Be- uh, Dark Knight Rises again. Same. And I'm Talk not watching. I'm not watching Oppenheimer. I've had people that I respect and I'm friends with tell me Oppenheimer is great, and you know what? I believe them. I still don't want to watch the three-hour introspective 
depressing slog that it is. I just I just don't. I so, will tell you why I'm not watching Oppenheimer. Because Nolan was a fucking dickhead to his cast and crew during the making of the movie. He wouldn't hire extras because extras are only thinking about getting paid and having lunch. He wouldn't have chairs on set because when you're working for him, you're working, not sitting. Now, we're getting we're getting dangerously close to a conversation we've actually had before about essentially the artist versus the art. Oh yeah, now, we're not having that one. I'm just saying it is ironic that we are in the middle of an actor-writer strike that comes down to treat us like people and we are worshiping a director who treats people like props. Yeah, I want to be very clear real quick. That other question is totally subjective. I still love fucking Mad Max and I don't want to go into that one. But but yeah, I get it. I get it. So, yes, we're talking specifically about essentially cult of personalities of, of directors. So and, let's go into another one. Let's go off into another well, positive example. I just want to say Nolan real quick because I want to I, I just cap that. Nolan has this, like, this weird vibe where basically people who want to who wanna talk him up treat him like the greatest director who ever lived when he is – when he's not. There are problems with Stanley Kubrick as a person as well, but – <laughs> he ain't on Stanley Kubrick's level, or Kubrick Hitchcock's level, a... or Spielberg's level. It's, it's not, he's and not. no, I am. I, I I do not. Oh, we're not going to zone. Kubrick's a weird, interesting case. Let's talk about one that is interesting that also falls in this category: Scorsese. Okay. Scorsese has this great kooky uncle vibe to him. Yeah, Scorsese though is interesting because it feels like the conversation around Scorsese when it comes to him as a creative and not as just the name attached to your favorite gangster movie is it's a very old school vibe. Like, I mean, he's literally old. I'm not yes. I'm not insulting, I'm just saying like the man has always been doing this a long time and he he directs and makes films with an old school sensibility to the point where he doesn't seem particularly interested in quote-unquote new school sensibilities and he doesn't have to be nothing's requiring him to be i thought the irishman was pretty fun despite being about half an hour too long so it... uh, there's the other thing again a lot of people and i wish i could name her will credit the greatest editor of all time is martin scorsese's editor and it's like yeah the dude's never made a movie under two and a half hours so of course she's the greatest editor of all time yeah but it's just funny because the conversations about martin scorsese as a creative basically come down to they always sound like old man yelling at clouds when it comes to new movies, new movie genres, new movie concepts or or genres. And there's shifts. a lot of that. And he's not wrong in a lot of senses, but it's also like it is one hundred percent like, yeah, but there's other factors you don't understand. Yeah. Another thing I want to be clear about, these directors, right? They've been doing what they're doing for a long time, and Ulrich and I are not directors. I am not at all claiming we know better than these people. We oh, are we are more aiming at their fans and how their fans talk about yes, them. We want to talk about this idea that there's the intrinsic link of, and again, this goes both ways, you have to like a director to like their films, and you have to like their films if you like the director. Yeah, which is not true in either direction. No. Again, I love Guillermo del Toro not because the dude paints models every Sunday, which is an awesome little thing that he does, but because I love his artistic style and passion. I enjoy The Prestige because it's a good movie, not because it's Nolan's dissection of how a movie is made, and the act structure, and his whole usual obsession personality. That's all icing on the cake that I don't need. Mm-hmm. Tarantino's love of old Hollywood action and classic rock, 
I love that. I can enjoy that. That doesn't make me appreciate his movies anymore because he loves that. I was I was trying to think just now of like a director who I like as a person whose films I don't like. I do not have an example of that, but the closest I can think of is like James Gunn. And I only mean that I've watched enough stuff about James Gunn that I think that he just deserves all the success in the world as a person. And yeah, James Gunn is one of those people. I loved him as a filmmaker before I came like, oh, I really like you as a person because... Yeah, I, I actually first, yeah, unlike, I'm not trying to be pretentious or anything, unlike a lot of people who came to James Gunn first with, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, I came to him first with Super, also I know there's a big contingent of people out there who came to him first with Slither, I know, I have not seen Slither. Slither's great. This is yeah. what I love about James Gunn, and it says a lot about me, is he calls himself, he says, he is a rehabilitated dirtbag. Oh, Quickly, sidebar, sorry. No, my favorite directors are Edgar Wright and Sam Raimi. Thank you, Sam Raimi. Ah, Sam Raimi. I love Guy Ritchie, but no, I just couldn't remember Sam I can't put Guy Ritchie in my top because Guy Ritchie's only good at doing one type of movie. Yes, but it's a thing that I just really, really enjoy. But Sam Raimi is Sam Raimi is literally the kind of director who could direct anything, and I can pick out his style, and I love it. (laughs) So, Anyways, getting back to the central tenet. No, you don't have to like a director to like the movies. And furthermore, we need to sever this connection because we are not holding these people accountable the way we otherwise would. Well, the thing is, I I agree with you. It's just it's funny that that idea that you brought up at the very beginning. If you have a favorite director, you are probably part of the film discourse. What what you were saying there is this interesting line of demarcation of fans who like my girlfriend don't even remember the names of directors. They remember Which is literally everyone else. Yeah, they remember actor names, and they basically will follow something if the actor Which they like. Which is its own or... separate grouping. Because yeah. there's people that don't even remember the actor's names. They're like, hey, it's that one guy I like. Yeah, and I have a personal view that... I, I'm not going to sit here and claim auteur theory is the end-all, be-all. I don't actually believe that. Oh, I don't want to go into that one. That one's dumb. Also, if you're using the words auteur theory, get the fuck out. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. There's interesting film. You're right. I'm drunk stuff. and surly. Yeah, there is interesting film conversation about whether or not auteur theory has any sort of merit. And I do think that it lends itself to interesting art pieces. Like, I know you don't like Wes Anderson, but at least he's making stuff that is uniquely okay. him. Wes Anderson's a great example. I know nothing about him. I love his filmmaking style. I love how original in him it is. I can't do it. It is nails on our chalkboard for me. But it's like, you know what? I love that not only... Do you have such a great style, but the people love that style? And by all accounts, you treat people decently. I wish you were a bit more direct in the Bill Murray of it all, but fucking Hollywood friends, bullshit. I get it. I'm oh, hold you, you know, you know who's a good example? Actually, now that now we talk about it, and I, I'm doing this completely secondhand from like three sources, only like three content creator showmaker sources that I can think of, but Adam Sandler is apparently one of the nicest yeah. people in the whole business and continually makes movies I don't like. But oh, yeah. apparently he's great, and if he keeps making work for himself and his friends... Again, cool. according to our friend Chris Shipman, whose only experience with Adam Sandler was him buying ice cream for everyone that came in that night in an ice cream shop because he was shooting a movie. Decent dude. Yeah, and that whole idiosyncratic thing that that Ulrich just mentioned with Wes Anderson, that's kind of how I feel about Michael Bay. I don't like Michael Bay. I don't like Michael okay, Bay's I don't material. like Michael Bay because he got a dude killed on set. Yes, again, it's a, it's a different question because <laughs> I don't like him as a person. Yes, I'm just saying that. And I don't I would, like him as a filmmaker. Yeah, I don't like him as a filmmaker either, but he is idiosyncratic. The worst yeah. thing that a director, I think, can be is boring. 
He's not boring. I wouldn't call him the worst. I don't like him, but he's not the worst. <laughs> Anyways, what I'm trying to say and trying to get down to the core of, and this is my true core po- belief, we talk about old Hollywood and the horrible, horrible shit that was done to actors because studios backed the directors. We had a whole movement called Me Too that was like, stop protecting these terrible people. Oh, but... But as a important thing that Ulrich, I believe you're the one who taught me this this last weekend. I mentioned Stanley Kubrick earlier, and since I didn't know this, I want to put it out there. Apparently, uh, Shelley Duvall, that, that is the woman from The Shining. Yeah, right? Shelley Duvall has done The Shining. Apparently, Shelley Duvall herself has come out and said that all of the hatred directed at Stanley Kubrick for what he did to her in that movie itself kind of makes her feel uncomfortable because she's an actress she understood what was happening, even though he was she basically torturing her. She in, was, yeah, no, she did an incredible review talking about it, and she basically said everyone that says about her needs to fuck off because it makes her seem like a weak-willed woman. Yeah. So again, I'm not pro directors torturing their actors. I'm just saying that that's a no. particularly well-known, well-circulated example, and I only just was informed by Ulrich that the actress herself in question has different views on that situation. So you know, just keep it in mind. Yeah. All I'm saying is we have gone through these stages of, oh, that sure was bad, to get to a stage where people line up to defend directors like, but Christopher Nolan made a really great Batman movie. So therefore, First of all, no, he, we really didn't, but anyway. No, <laughs> but And, you know, he made all he made the best Batman movie. And, you know, Definitely these actors <laughs> don't get chairs. That's his artistic vision. And you should stop it. Yeah, you know stop what? Stop it. Hire fucking extras. Give Uh your people chairs. Use fucking CGI. You are not anything special for, I made a nuclear bomb. And furthermore, fuck you for Tenet. You were obsessive and you put people's lives at risk during COVID because your movie was so goddamn important because you were backed up by a cult of personality. You know who's a director who had a really strong cult of personality that I was basically a part of? And then as soon as the shit came out about them, I washed my hands of them super quick. Joss Whedon. Oh, there's a great example. See if nerd nerds can do it. Film nerds yeah. can do and, it. And, and again, I still will watch The Avengers. I'll still watch Buffy. I'll still watch Firefly. But I will not defend in any way anything Joss Whedon never did. I don't even want really to talk about him ever yep. anymore. <laughs> no. Again, that's how it's done, folks. You do not have to like the director to like the person. And this is all inspired because film Twitter got it's panties in a twist over something dumb that one of the Russos said and decided to, I don't remember what it was. It was something dumb. One of them said something dumb. Okay, sure. Again. And they got all their panties up in a twist. And it's like, Oh, I can't watch, you know, any movies. I'm like, well, okay. Firstly, let's be honest. They haven't done anything great outside of community and Avengers. Yeah. But also the internet's looking for any excuse to shit on people who are closely connected to the MCU stuff. Oh, the the turn on Taika with TV is its own thing. But anyways, I'm thinking like, Listen, they can have a dumb, harmless opinion, and I can still enjoy their movies. It's yeah. when they're actually harmful. And, of course, it's kind of like, and these are the same people that you will know, defend. It's, I'm, glad hmm. that, I'm glad that we started the Christopher Nolan then, because a lot of the examples that we're talking about are people who are legitimately terrible people for reasons that are kind of separate from their filmmaking. Like what Joss Whedon did to female co-stars, or what uh, Stanley oh. Kubrick did, or, or, or what... Quentin Tarantino keeps Woody on Allen. <laughs> or Woody Allen. Everything about Woody Allen. But we, Christian we, Nolan's we interesting. We keep going back and forth on that one, but there are still actors that get in trouble for like, listen, I want to win an Oscar, and the Academy still loves Woody Allen. 
Yeah, but but I feel like Christopher Nolan might be the best example because from what I can tell, and I'm perfectly willing to be corrected because I'm not fucking the end-all be-all, all of the shittiness around Christopher Nolan is basically exclusively in regards to filmmaking and his interactions with like other members of the filmmaking machine and not like personal gross disgusting stuff just yeah he's bad in like a really sexual way but i don't know there was again this was a whole big thing this was again last things last someone talked about you know or as florence Pugh had a scene where she didn't say anything but she was so honored to work with the great christopher nolan that she didn't care that she got backseated as a character to the male characters i'm like that's that's not good. I mean, I'm We've been int- making progress on this. Yeah. Also, I'm just more interested in anything Florence Pugh is doing than anything Christopher Nolan is doing. So yeah, whatever. and that's ultimately like again, that's why I'm not going to watch Oppenheimer because I watched Dunkirk and I am sorry. Yes, it's beautiful, but you don't get the person that hates humanity to tell the most humanity-based story ever. And if you're new to the podcast, Ulrich watching a movie like Dunkirk and having anything negative to say about it or the people involved is a big fucking deal because that's exactly the kind of movie that is right up Ulrich's alley. Oh, it was so made for me. I'm like, oh, this is so dispat... I- Dunkirk is a human story. It's a story of human will overcoming it. Oh! Like, you can't I see me, it. but I'm pointing at my computer as, as emphasis for, like, listen I to Ulrich about Dunkirk. I so much, and I hate to hear people defend, like, oh, but it's shot so beautifully, and it has this haunting aura of it. I'm like, fuck no. It's empty beaches. And it's <laughs> stupid storytelling for the sake of stupid storytelling. Anyway, I know that's not necessarily oh. a positive place to end, but this is one that... I feel like we can go further, but I don't just want to sit here and bitch about directors. Because, again, I'm not actually, as far as I'm concerned, and I think as far as Ulrich's concerned, these are not aimed at the directors. We're more aimed at the people who keep lifting up these directors like saints, and they're not. Again, the reason we have the shitty stuff we do is because people don't hold these people accountable. Whether it's the fans, whether it's the studios, whether it's the system. And again, that everyone is praising a man who treats his actors like props when we are in the middle of a strike, which is the actors literally saying, we are people, not props, is the disconnect. It breaks my brain. I I wouldn't be surprised if Nolan is thought more than once about how well he could replace actors with AI. I guarantee. He doesn't doesn't like actors. Yeah, not to put, I'm not making any claims. I don't know the man. He doesn't like actors, allegedly. Yeah, Yeah, allegedly. I don't don't know. I'm just, just based on interviews and the stuff he's talked about, I wouldn't be surprised is all I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, with that pleasant, not at all horrifying thought. (laughs) Every once in a while we have to vent the bile. Yeah. Thank you for listening to us venting the bile. Be sure to do the like, sharing, and subscribing, those things that we as showmakers have to ask because, hey, the more people see the show, the more we can grow. And the more that we can grow, the more we can make of the show. We are everywhere. And if we are not on the particular place that you would like us, let us know. That way I can sift through what is a real, you know, plea to get here and what is a fake way to get here like some russian hackster wants my credit info i'm telling you you don't but go ahead as always this has been axel wright and it's your brother lord commander Ulrich. be sure to tune in next time and as always stay honorable <laughs>